Awesome. Um, so like uh, John Vivia said, uh, my name is Kevin and my wife is Amanda. Um, she stepped off with the youngest one, so she'll be back in just a moment. But uh, we are grateful to be here with you guys. We've known uh, the Haynes since 2007 um, when we were living in Florida. That's where my wife and I met and fell in love, got married. Um, they are, like they said, they are family to us. John Wesley was an usher at our wedding. Um, so we hold them very dearly to our heart. Um, Vivian was one of the women that studied the Bible with my wife um, in 2007. So again, special place for us. So we're grateful for the opportunity. And I will throw out a disclaimer. Uh, we do have three kids. The oldest is six. Uh, the middle one is four. And our youngest that you guys saw, he'll be one in about three weeks two or three weeks. Um, so we're, we're still learning and exploring and figuring this out for ourselves. We're not experts um, at balancing it at all, but I think there's some things that help us to kind of uh, not get overwhelmed in this stage of life because it is, it's just, it can be chaotic and crazy. I don't know how many kids each of you guys have, um, but when we went to three, it just seemed like a whole new level of, of uh, life. Um, for sure for us. Uh, and I think, you know, before you're married and when you're single, it's just much easier to put guy first. It's much easier to balance life and, and to work. And especially when you're single, it was just, it was easier. I know back then I probably thought I had too much. I, I had, I was too busy. But looking back, I'm like, life was just, it was a breeze um, as a pair compared to what it is now between, um, you know, my wife and I both work. My wife actually works two jobs, um, kind of both part-time. For the majority of her work, she's working from home um, and has been for quite a bit, more so because of COVID, but um, she's pretty much at home with the kids most of the time. I work uh, four days a week, and three of those days are like 10-hour days, um, 10, 11-hour days. So, you know, life is just busy, and it's crazy, and it's chaotic. Um, but one thing that helps me kind of not feel overwhelmed with the, with the chaos of life is just this idea of lordship. And I think as disciples, as Christians, we all were in that, you know, that spot before we became disciples, where we looked at lordship, where we, you know, when you're studying the Bible, you kind of had those conversations on, okay, this part of your life and, and relationships, career, and all these different things, are you willing to make Jesus Lord? Um, and I remember thinking back, I got baptized when I was 20. Um, I'm 36 now. And so as a sophomore in college, you know, lordship just looked differently to me. Uh, you know, I was, I was still trying to discover what major I wanted to have in college. Um, so Lordship kind of had some more so academics, relationships, kind of how I spent my time. And I remember talking about, you know, like marriage and the future and career and, and making Jesus Lord, those areas. And at the time, you know, obviously because I hadn't experienced that side of life, it was easy just to say that, yes, I, I will make Jesus Lord, right? I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to live out Luke 9 where it talks about denying myself, taking up my cross, following Christ. Um, and, you know, and, and I inherently wanted to live that way, but I think at each life stage, it's just, life is just different. You're going to this unknown. And, and so for me, and for both of us, as we were talking, a part of Lordship is at every life stage, you almost have to revisit it and recommit um, at each of those stages. And every stage is different, right? When I was, like I said, when I was 20, I was a different person. Um, you know, I got married when we were or we got married when I was 25. And even at that point, you know, when you throw in um, a spouse and thinking of someone else and putting someone else before yourself, obviously I had to evaluate what lordship looked like within a marriage. Um, when I was uh, like 30, 31, kind of around that time frame, we were 
at the time we were kind of transitioning um, career and just lifestyle. We were in the ministry full time for a couple of years uh, here in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, and, you know, it just it wasn't a great uh, fit for us and where we needed to be in our life or, or really, I think, what God wanted for our life. Um, and so we made this transition where we had our first son. He was about six. Um, or, or no, I'm sorry. He was about six months at the time. Um, you know, for a couple months, I didn't have a job. I didn't really know career-wise what I wanted to do. My wife was working, um, kind of being the sole uh, breadwinner for our family at the time. And I decided to go to grad school because uh, I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. And at that time, you know, I ended up getting a job. And, but at that time, life was different for me. And so I had to reevaluate, okay, what does lordship look like for, you know, being married five or six years at this point? We have one son under one. I'm starting grad school, you know, I'm working a job that's just, just a job so I can make some money to pay the bills. My wife is working, um, you know, trying to figure out what do we want to do with our life. And it, it required a lot of sacrifice, you know, in the midst of grad school, my wife got pregnant with our second. Um, and so I had to be creative. I had to be disciplined. I had to figure out, okay, how am I going to be a disciple, still love God? Because at the core of it, I, I didn't want to lose my relationship with God. I still wanted to serve him and his church. Uh, but how can I do all these other things? on top of being a Christian. Um, and so for me, you know, school, I had to find times where, where I did school. You know, there was Thursday nights and Sunday nights were kind of like my grad school time where I would stay up late, do a bunch of work. Um, I would fit time in at work to do some uh, of my school work. Um, you know, when I was at home, I tried to be focused on my wife and, and my son at the time. We still tried to serve in the church, um, but it just required a lot more discipline but even recognizing, okay, at the end of the day, despite how chaotic, chaotic life is at the time, I have to make Jesus Lord of every aspect of my life. Because that's what Lordship is. You know, when Peter talks about it in, in, in Acts 2, you know, he throws out that Jesus has to be Lord and our Savior, right? And so there's got to be complete where we just give up everything for him. No matter what, he's number one. He's in control of everything. Obviously, it, it comes with obedience of fully living it out. Um, but I had to figure out what that looked like. And when we had our third last year, you know, uh, at the time we were, we were leading the uh, team ministry here. Um, and, you know, we kind of took a break from that to focus on our family. But I feel like this, this past year has been another time in my life where I had to figure out what lordship looked like with uh, my wife and I, the schedule that we have at work. Um, I, like I said, I work four days a week, kind of 10, 11 hour days. Um, it, it, it just is different again. And, and I have to figure it out, right? I have to be creative. I have to put God first. I have to, the way I look at my schedule is, you know, I got to find those pockets of time where I can still love my family, be the husband, be the father that I need, but I'm still a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so in the mornings, I would drive my oldest son to school. I mean, he was only in kindergarten last school year, but we would be in the car 15, 20 minutes. And that'd be a time for me to connect to him and kind of have some heart to heart conversations. Um, granted, he's five, so there's only so much heart-to-heart -heart you can have with a five-year-old, uh, but that would be my time where I would devote it just to him, right? Um, you know, my, my relationships in the church, I would, on the way to and from work, is kind of the time that I connect with people um, outside of my family, with other brothers, even my mom is a part of that rotation. I spend a lot of time in the car praying, um, you know, reading my Bible. I'm not a morning person whatsoever. I struggle. I'm late to work every single day. Um, and so 
part of reading my Bible is I just read it at work. I'm fortunate enough that I have some downtime that I can do that um, within the confines of my day, but I got to figure it out because I can't neglect my relationship with God, even at this stage, even how chaotic or how crazy it is. We have three boys that are full of energy. I still am a disciple of Jesus Christ first and foremost. Uh, and, and for me, it's always been, I've got to have that number one, because I remember a time where um, a lot of our friends and people kind of in our age range got married. It almost seemed like once people got married, your marriage kind of took center stage and kind of your career and, and where you were in life was kind of the, what you focused more on. Um, and, and I don't think it was this conscious decision, okay, I'm going to put me first and God second, but I think what it ended up doing was a lot of people put the kingdom of God kind of backseat. And I think it shouldn't be like that. I don't think we need to neglect, you know, our lives, our careers, our families, for sure, for the kingdom of God. But I think we got to figure out how to do it all. And not that we got to be perfect, because like I said, we're by no means perfect. Trust me. Uh, we're still trying to figure this out. But we got to figure out the balance to be able to still have Jesus Lord of our life, to be in control of everything, but still be the loving husband for me, the, you know, the father that I need to be to my children. Um, but it just requires creativity. It requires, you know, sitting down, being disciplined to be, um, to figure out what works best for you. What works best for me might be different than what works for you, but it's figuring out so that you can have a family, that you can have a life that, um, you know, you can, you can go before God and, and be proud to say that I did make Jesus Lord of my life, even in the midst of chaos, you know, when we're not sleeping or we're not um, doing what we need to do, that Jesus was still Lord of our life. Uh, and so my wife is going to share some thoughts. I'm going to switch with her grab this guy. Um, you know, I think for, for me, this idea of making Jesus Lord in every life stage has been, um, something that's been so important, you know, because Jesus being Lord, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, but Jesus being Lord when I had one kid and Jesus being Lord when I have three is it looks different and it takes, um, just me being very intentional. Um, I am a numbers girl. I um, work in accounting. That's what I do all day long. You know, I'm, I'm solving these problems. And, you know, I would love it if the Bible had this formula, right, that said, okay, so Jesus being Lord looks exactly like this. Here's a pie chart. 10% of your time do this. 4% of your time do that. But God doesn't do that. He does not do that for us. Um, and the reason why is because he's more interested and the response of love that comes from my heart and not just this responsive obligation. Um, I wanna share this scripture of um, the religious leader who comes to Jesus to test him. And my intention, right, isn't to come before God and trick him or test him, but I ask a similar question to this guy in Luke 10, verse 25. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. You know, it's easier for me to ask Jesus, what must I do? But Jesus took this opportunity to turn him back to his heart and to our motives, right? 
and it's less about what I should do and more about who I should be. And I remember talking to one of my best friends and I had just reached this state of like burnout. I was worn out. I was so overwhelmed by all that there was in life. Um, I talked about all my roles, right? Like I'm God's daughter. I want to please him. I'm a wife. I'm a mom to these awesome kids. I'm an employee. I'm a friend. I'm God's ambassador meant to seek and save the lost. I'm a mentor. I cook, I clean, I run errands. Um, and then they say, I'm supposed to take care of myself too. <laughs> and it just seemed so overwhelming. And I just wanted to share the advice that she gave me because it has changed my life and changed my perspective. You know, she listened to me ramble on, she heard me complain and vent and cry. And then she looked at me so gently and with so much love and she said, Amanda, there are exactly enough hours in a day because God designed the days. And that for me was a game changer. You know, God is the one who is the creator. He assigned the sea its boundaries. He spoke stars into creation. So he definitely didn't make a mistake and give me too little time in a day to carry out his will. You know, so then I started asking that question, well, why do I feel that way? You know, some of us might feel that all the time, often. Some of us might not ever feel that way. Um, but what I've learned is that what it boiled down to was me not giving my time the intention that it deserved. And I had can become more concerned with my will over God's will. So I wanted to share just some practicals about some things that I've learned along the way um, with our time and um, what's really helped us, I think, the things we've done wrong and learned from, um, and a lot of it's advice that other people have, you know, poured into us. I think one of those things is I don't have to compartmentalize everything. You know, there are so many things that I can do simultaneously. I can cook dinner and have a meaningful conversation with my husband. I can exercise and listen to something that um, motivates me spiritually, whether it's music or um, listening to a lesson or listening to the Bible as I exercise. I can invite a campus student over and play board games with my family. You know, like you do that and you're accomplishing so much. You're encouraging someone else, you're having fun with your family, and then you're introducing role models to your kids. You know, and it's like so simple, but it can become so, you know, we make everything so extravagant that it just seems impossible to do. Um, I think another thing that I've had to learn is how to meditate on the scriptures throughout the day. You know, I think we've become so ingrained into having our quiet time where we have this time where we sit down and we study our Bible and we pray and we kind of can make it like a checklist. Like, okay, I've, I've had my quiet time. I've done what I'm supposed to do. But as a mom with three kids, my quiet times are not always very quiet. I do think we have to teach our children to respect like this is mommy and daddy's special time with God and they need to know that and you know we have to plan really well. Um, but you know I've had to learn to you know meditate on the scripture as I wash the dishes, to meditate on the scripture as I drive, to share it with a friend, to um, to do something, to talk about it with my kids. You know there's so many ways to connect with God throughout the day and it's not always going to look just like me just sitting down and journaling for a few hours. Um, 
you know, I have to ask myself if my day matches what I value. And I think this has been a really huge thing. We allow a lot of things to suck our time away from us, you know, whether it's TV or Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. There are so many things that, you know, kind of fight for our attention. And um, I can be really guilty of that. I think for me, one of my stress relievers is at the end of the day when everybody's sleeping, I just want to veg out and just watch TV. And that's not a bad thing, right? Like, don't take that away from this. Like, you should never watch TV. But like, if I'm going to spend a lot of time watching TV and then I don't get the rest that I need, like, I'm not going to be a very loving mother tomorrow. And so just really making those decisions of, okay, what do I really value? Does my time match what I value? Um, having boundaries with my amount of time. You know, I remember I would meet a sister every other week at Starbucks and she would want to hang out for four hours, but I can't hang out for four hours. I want to, you know, and so I had to express that boundary with her and say, hey, I love you. I'm setting an alarm. When the alarm goes off, I have to go. And that was just a commitment that I had to make to myself that, you know, I'm going to be, be uh, just vigilant with that. Um, I think just getting advice about how we spend our time is so important. Um, not comparing myself to others. If you guys have an opportunity, read Ecclesiastes 4.4. And it just talks about how, you know, we can have ambition over things that we've just envied from other people. And we can't just look at other people and just, you know, want these worldly things. Um, you know, not seeking out worldly wisdom. I think especially as moms, there are so many blogs. So many, you know, Instagram pages, so many Pinterest things that you could find to be the perfect Pinterest mom. And that is, you know, they can be great ideas, but we can value those things more than what the word of God says. And we have to be careful of what we're making really important to us. And then I think just having the humility to ask for help from other people. Um, this has been my biggest downfall. I was raised to be very independent. And I can say no to things that I need to say yes to. Um, and I promise you, if you decline the help enough, people will stop offering. So just be mindful of that. You know, when people offer to cook you dinner, say yes. When people offer to babysit, say yes, if you trust them. And, um, you know, and I think just having that mentality. Um, I just want to share really quickly about a friend of ours. She has Crohn's disease and also has a baby girl. And she texted our family group and asked us, hey, you know, I'm having a really bad flare up this week. Is anybody able to cook us dinner? And I learned so much from her in that moment because that's not my natural tendency. My natural tendency is to just muster up the strength and do it myself. And I felt so trusted by her, um, just even asking. And really, we were all fighting to like, who got to bring her dinner first, you know, because we wanted to serve her. And so you know, don't be afraid to reach out for help. And, you know, when you're struggling, if you need help just cleaning your house, I mean, there are people who, who want to help you. There are people who actually like organizing things. And, you know, so just make sure that you're not being prideful. Um, and that's, like I said, it's been one of my biggest downfalls that I'm trying to learn from. It's all really good stuff. Um, uh, I know we've been going for about 20 minutes here. Uh, we've got some more stuff. We, we definitely want to spend or get some time for some questions and talk a little bit more with you guys. Um, but we do have some more some more stuff to share. Um, but let's let's take a second and just see if you guys have any questions because I definitely want to 
you know, obviously we don't know you guys, um, obviously we know John and Vivian, but we really want to see how we can help meet some needs. Um, and so, like I said, I do have some more stuff that we can share on just kind of stage life relationships and things like that. But I do want to take a moment just to see if you guys had any questions or thoughts, um, maybe that just came up in the last 20 minutes or even just stuff that you've already come with, hey, I want to ask this. Yeah, um, yeah, we have a question. Yeah, um, cool. so, so my question is like, um, so when you guys initially had your first child, um, I know you said that you wasn't working and uh, there was a lot going on. Um, so how did how did serving look like for you guys? Because I'm sure it was different prior to having prior to having kids. Mm -hmm. um, but after you had your first child, how did serving look like uh, for you guys? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, when we first had him, we were still full-time in the ministry. Um, so, you know, it, it was a little different in that sense, obviously, because, you know, it was just kind of our life to, to serve all day. Um, but when we transitioned out, we still kind of worked with the teens, kind of unpaid, um, uh, just a little bit of our time, and we would just bring him along. Obviously, there were parameters set in the sense of, like, bedtime, you know, I mean, when he was really young, we could just bring the baby along and it wasn't as, for us, it wasn't as concerning of, okay, make sure he was home at this time to get in bed. But as he got older, it was like, okay, we can only, if we have an event at church, one of us just needs to leave and take him home. Or, um, you know, one of us needs to come late or leave early. Um, but I think at the core of it, we still wanted to serve. Uh, we didn't want to, I personally, I just didn't want to be that person that kind of shrinks back from the kingdom of God because of kids. And so, I know I kind of fought with the mentality of like, okay, I got to still serve, I got to do. And I think at times I kind of went overboard probably um, and kind of did more than I should have because um, by my nature, it's just, if it's good, I'm going to do it, right? Anything related to the church, it's good, inherently good, so I'm going to do it. And so, um, but that was some of it, but I think it was just kind of setting up those parameters. We started to do more stuff at our house, um, you know, with people coming into our house as opposed to just going out and doing a lot of it was like hey come to our house because we have kids and you know spend time with our family and we'll put them down and you know when he goes to bed we can still hang out and have tea time or whatever it may be um so that was some of it well, and i think we definitely just adopted the mentality that we wanted our kids to see the kingdom of god we wanted them to be a part of it i think um i am actually I'm against like doing everything church related separate from our kids. You know, that's something we've actually really fought for in our ministry is, hey, we want events that our kids are invited to. We want, you know, events that our kids are going to be welcomed that, you know, we know they're distracting, but um, I mean, but that's something that we've always really wanted and really strive for. And the teens became their family. I mean, they, I mean, it just became like, you know, they had a bunch of like aunts and uncles and, um, I think, yeah, we just took them with us and we just, we, I also believe we have to teach our kids to be flexible. I think kids obviously thrive on routine, but they need to be taught to be flexible, you know, especially for the sake of the gospel. And um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I think my kids actually treasure those memories. You know, they've been there through Bible studies through, you know, and they get so excited in the teens when you're getting baptized. And so, I mean, and we just decided we're going to just bring them with us. You know, I think about even I think what comes to me for mine is Jesus, his parents right brought him and, and he ended up staying behind and his parents didn't even know he was gone for three days. I think kids love to be around Bible. 
brother gave me some advice once with the idea of um, I think now he's getting ready for bed. Um, uh, one one brother gave me advice some, at one point. He's really good at just kind of being the type of uh, man of God who just brings his kids along and his family along for the journey. But he was always he always told me that his kids, his family, is still number one. So yes, he you know he would have Bible studies, he'd do all this stuff. But if something happened with his kid in the midst of it, that he would say, okay, I got to go take care of my kid. You know, and make sure that they're still a priority. You know, if a kid's wailing in the middle of a Bible study or whatever, um, that he still takes that time. Okay, I got to focus on my kid for just a moment. Um, so that kind of helped me too. So. I'm glad you said that because my question was like a follow-up to that of how do you how do you figure out and how do you communicate that balance between like still wanting to, you know, serve, like you said, that brother is still doing a Bible study, but also balancing with prioritizing your family, but not wanting to come off like, you know, I don't want to serve at all, or I want to shrink back, but, you know, like communicating to others, like I still, this is still a priority, but my family is still a priority. Absolutely. And I think um, one thing that was really effective for us was even for Bible studies and for, you know, just having people over, like when, if we could have two families over or like three of the teens over or whatever, I mean, it helped to kind of buffer that gap. That's like, okay, my kid might have a meltdown and I need to deal with that in that moment. And that's going to be my priority. And then there's other people there to hang out with them. So it's not like, Hey, hang out here for like 15 minutes. I'll be right back. Um, and so it's like, even just little things like that, that really help to, you know, just kind of soften that the awkwardness of some of those things. But, um, I mean, that just helped us to yeah. just have other people around. Okay. Thank you, guys. Hey, hey, guys, this is Anala and EJ. I, I was just going to say thanks for sharing that because, um, you know, when, when you went through the phases and saying you need to reassess each phase, that was very helpful because I know – it's not something we were, we did consciously, but as I reflect, as you were talking, I felt like that's what happened to us where as a single, you know, I had my struggles as a single, but before I met my wife, I got my spiritual life in order. I met my wife and I felt like things were great. We had our first kid, we bought a house. We used our house as a, a hub for the church. That's when in town was kind of getting started. But when my wife became pregnant for our second, and work got busier in that phase i didn't go back to count the cost mm -hmm. and i think ever since then i'd say for the last 12 to 18 months we've obviously shrunk back right and i think covid also didn't help and i think it's in the last couple of probably in the last month or two months where we've started to resurface again and and trying to just you know get back to a point where we're saying hey like okay what 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 role can we play in the church, you know, what, 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 you know, role can we play, you know, beyond just being pre physically present. So I, I think it was very helpful to realize that it, it's forcing me to be conscious of, Hey, I, I gotta be conscious of my life stages and be revisiting my commitment. Um, something that that's helped me personally in the last call it four months is, you know, I think Amanda, as you were talking about, you know, your, your times are limited. Right. And, and for the folks that know me, I, I used to travel four days a week before COVID. And so when I came home on Thursday, I had Thursday through Sunday, 
it was hard for me to use that on a bunch of other things. You know, I was, I was interviewing for a, a community role last week and I told him I made a conscious effort. Hey, I've got three days, right? I've got church and I've got my family. I cut out all the excesses, right? And some of the extra stuff with church were some of the things I cut off because I had effectively a day and a half to spend with my family before I had to start packing and, and traveling again on Sunday night or, or Monday. But I, I sell this to say what's been helpful is since COVID started, I, I've been going on these, these walks three, four times a week. And it's been good because sometimes it's just a walk to clear my head. Sometimes it's a walk to, to pray. Sometimes it's listening to podcasts or sermons. But I've realized that those times, if I had them more consistently, they helped me get centered. Because even with COVID, where I get caught up with work or some other project or, you know, with the family, when I go on these walks, I'm reminded that Jesus is the center, the kingdom is the center, and it kind of helps me reprioritize, right? And, and so to your point, Amanda, whether you're in the car or you're washing dishes, if, if you're carving out that time to reflect what are your priorities, I, I think it helps recenter you, right? And it gives you another two week, three weeks or six month runway. If you deviate and you're having those times, you kind of reset. But once you let work take you for six months or family or whatever, then, then you can go down a path and 18 months, you're like, man, where, where was I? And so I'm just, I was just telling my wife while we were on mute that this has been encouraging because this is in line with the conversation that we had earlier this morning uh, when I came back from one of my walks saying, hey, like, babes, it's this last couple months have been good. I feel like I'm really charged up and ready to, to re-engage. And, and for this to be the topic is, is also telling that, that God's definitely telling us something. Wow. Yeah. Amen. yeah, I appreciate that, man, because I think it is true. I mean, we, you know, we can't do what we did 10 years ago as disciples with just the life we have now. So it's like figuring out, okay, how do I still 100% give to God and, and put him first? How do I use all my time, maximize my time, um, but still, you know, be a, be a husband, be a father and figuring it all out is, is that's why it's important to kind of revisit it at each, at each and every stage, um, almost maybe even might have to do it every few years, you know, because right. even still, you know, kids grow a little bit older, it still shifts, it still changes, but, um, you know, it's, it's important. So I appreciate that. Man. Um, another question came um, through. Um, and it says, what kind of priority do you make getting other people involved in your marriage and parenting? Um, so I think, you know, obviously, like I said earlier, we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> Parenting, um, specifically, I was in a D group last week. Um, and four of the guys, there's six of us in this D group. And four of them have, like, adult children. And then I'm kind of, you know, I have younger kids. And the, uh, the other guy has no children yet. Um, and I was telling the guys, I was talking about something. But I remember I was saying how, you know, I feel like I'm just messing up my kids. And they're going to be screwed <laughs> up here on out. Um, and they just all laughed. And that was their feedback of like, no, you're not going to screw them up, but you're going to make a ton of mistakes. Um, and so I think when it comes to, to our parenting and marriage, it's like we got to get people involved. Like it's important to have uh, discipling. It's important to have couples that um, can kind of uh, say it straight to us of what's really going on and giving us advice. But also it's important for people to, um, someone told me this once, uh, for them to be able to see kind of your interactions with your kids. And so it's like, you know, whoever disciples you or gives you parenting advice, have them in your home so they can see how you interact with your kids. Because 
you know, it's very different when you're telling a story of, okay, this happened and this is how I responded versus what you're doing in the moment. Um, because in the moment, you're probably a little bit more short, probably a little bit more impatient. Um, and so the, the heart of the matter can be more discipled and talked through. Um, you know, so I think it is extremely important to have people in our life and not get kind of sucked into our own advices or, or, you know, just reading books for ourselves to try to discover and figure it out for ourselves, but really allow others to kind of help us and guide us along the journey. Um, and, and I think it's just important. So I wanted to, that question got sent over. So I wanted to, you know, bring that up. But. Yeah, I want to respond to that too. I think, um, you know, I think with that, like in Titus 2, you know, Paul is giving Titus this charge, right, to train the church. And he goes through every single like life stage, like train the younger men, train the older men, train the, the older women. And then he says, so then the older women can then train the younger women. And he goes through all these things that they're supposed to train the men. And it's basically in every area of life, right? And um, so I think that it's so, it's, sorry, it's this principle that like we need people. We were designed for it. And when I try to do it on my own, it's messy, it's confusing, it doesn't. And so one of the things that I've really learned is that it's my responsibility to pursue those relationships. You know, if I wait for one of the older women to come and reach out to me, like one, that's not a fair expectation, but I mean, I need to go after the people that I respect, that I know, know my family. And you know, what that looks like is, I mean, spend a whole day with people, you know, like actually really be around them. And, you know, we need advice about, I mean, everything. I mean, I, I left the house when I was 16. So, I mean, I didn't even know how to like come up with a meal plan, right? Like I didn't even know even simple things like that. And, but these things that are matters of the heart, like I need people to teach me how to draw out my kid's heart, how to really encourage my husband and, you know, being able to, to have that. And I think, you know, going after the women and men in your life that are going to be really honest with you. Don't go after the people that are going to just tell you what you want to hear. You know, I'm one of those people, I need direct, like, discipling. Like, if people try to beat around the bush, I just don't even understand it, you know. So I need people, like, who are direct in my life. And so those are the people I go after. And that also looks like me being an encouragement to them, right? So to give back in those relationships that, you know, it's not just one-sided. And I think we got to be just really mindful of that. Yeah. Um, so I think I kind of, like, know where you got that from maybe from vivian <laughs> um she's a direct person but oh, yeah. um, i think i think amanda when you were talking about uh reevaluating your life uh i think it makes sense to me i'm 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 a plan a plan b person and i kind of like calculate everything that happens like right now uh, my house is in a mess and i wouldn't live here um two years ago uh, I, I wouldn't. Um, and when Onwa was talking to, um, I remember, you know, when they had their first kid, uh, we were in the house like two times a week, you know, and I didn't understand then, like, you know, why do I have to be the one to go to their house all the time? But um, I mean, I mean, I like people, so it doesn't take anything from me. But sometimes when that selfishness kicks in, I'm like, uh, they never came to visit me. You know, I'm just going to stay in my house. Um, you know, but now um, I'm beginning to understand that, but also it's challenging because I want to go. Uh, so um, in those, 
in those times when you feel like, uh, you know, now I have kids, you know, I want to, people should come to my house because I have to, you know, take care of my kids. Um, how do you, um, how do you kind of like assess or find time to, you know, to visit other people <laughs> and, um, you know, and build that, you know, uh, kind of like community um, type of lifestyle again, not in your home, but with other people. Gotcha. Um, so for me, the way I think about it is, um, I mean, I, yes, we try to do stuff with our family, with other people, um, especially other couples and, and other families in the church. But I think it is important to kind of still have that community that, you know, if it's just with brothers or sisters with sisters. And so uh, I have, um, you know, I have a limited amount of time during the week. And so there's a, there's, you know, there's one guy that I hang out with every week. Like he is my, you know, go-to guy. And I, you know, we, we kind of hang out for like 45 minutes right before work on Tuesdays. Um, and so I find those small pockets that I can kind of uh, have that time and consistent time with people. Um, also for me, my lunch break, you know, we, you know, we live in Charleston. So the area, it's kind of fairly easy to get around. I mean, it's not that, um, you know, crazy with people who live here. Um, so my lunch breaks normally are kind of those times that I connect with other brothers and just have, you know, 45 minutes on lunch. Um, but I do think it is important to find that time where you're able to still get away from the family, not in a negative way, but I think one, we need our time kind of individually, you know, with, without uh, the kids, without our spouse, where we can kind of just get that time alone and kind of get recharged for ourselves. I think that's important, um, but it is important for those one another relationships to find it also. Um, because, you know, obviously our family is number one, but it, you know, there are times, you know, I just don't want to, you know, don't want to be with my kids. That sounds bad, but there are times where I want to hang out with my wife or I just don't want to hear kids. I don't want to talk about Pokemon. I don't want to watch cartoons. Like there are those times. And so I think it is important to, to kind of make it happen. Again, it's, you know, for us is a limited window of how much, how much time we can fill it with people. Um, but I think, you know, I'm more in tune with that. And so I even, I think in our conversation, sometimes I'll be like, okay, we need that time. And just the other day we were talking, you know, with COVID, we've been, um, we've been, when if COVID first started, we were much more conservative. We didn't really do anything. We kind of were in the house, you know, we were kind of staying because of the unknown, there was fear there. Um, but even still over the last six months, we've, you know, we haven't really spent a lot of time with people like we used to. Um, and, you know, I was just telling her, I'm like, I think, you know, you need to go have that time with sisters, whatever that may look like more consistently just for yourself, because I think you need it, you know. So I think it is important, um, but it's figuring out one of those pockets. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, this is going along with what Kevin was just sharing, but I think especially as spouses, we have to support that for each other. Um, Kevin is just a really great example of that in my life. Like he is, the, he's very in tune with my emotions. And so I just want to encourage him. I think even just as a husband, you know, he, I remember this one time, uh, we hadn't had Elijah yet, but we, um, you know, so we had two kids. I was the one that was like home with them all day while working. And he was like, you need some alone time. Like you need to just go and, and get time by yourself. And I'm like, yeah, when? Like, that's never going to happen. And he literally kicked me out of the house for like a day. And he was like, I said, okay, well, I'll just go to Starbucks and have a quiet time and come back. And he's like, no, don't come back until dinner. And I was like, 
what do I do? And he's like, I am going to change the locks if you come back before dinner. Like, go have time. Enjoy yourself. And I was like, what do I do? I mean, I went to Target twice and just walked around because I didn't know what to do. But, you know, he was just really in tune with my emotions, my emotional needs. And, you know, I, I know this is a question for all um, young families, even just with physical intimacy in our marriage. And I think I, I'm really proud of that in our marriage. I feel like we're able to, to have very consistent time where we're very physically intimate, but it, I really believe that it's because of the emotional intimacy and how Evan really fights really hard to take care of, of me emotionally too. And I think, um, so whether it's, you know, with sisters or, you know, like him, you know, just encouraging that time or, you know, go do that or, you know, do this. And so um, I just think that we need to do that for each other. And not that we need that permission, but I don't know about for the other moms, but like mom guilt is just such a very real thing. You know, like I feel guilty even wanting time by myself. And I know it's like silly, like I know it's stupid. Every human being wants alone time. But I do, I feel guilty for that. And so sometimes Kevin just purposely just gives me that permission, even though I don't need his permission for it. He knows that I need to hear that. Sometimes, so. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome, man. <laughs> By the way, my, my love, my wife loves Charleston. So yeah, we love it too. We've been here for like eight years now. Eight, eight and a half years, almost nine. So hi, um, I have a question. Yeah, go for it. Um, y'all can see me. Um but uh, kind of similar, uh, and I'm about to put all of my uh, my confession out there, my sin out there of ingratitude. But I think that um, my husband and I, uh, we have two children. One is two years old, getting ready to be three, and the other is eight months. Um, and I think that like lately, and it kind of comes and goes, but um, lately it's just been a struggle to just really like enjoy and appreciate this time um, in our life. Um, I, and I, I know that COVID is ampli amplifying it um, because, you know, I just think that there's, there's certain things that we just love to do. Like we would love, we love to go to church and love to, you know, take, take him to Kingdom Kids and he loved it and just a lot of other things that we could have done. But now it's just kind of like, it just kind of feels like Groundhog Day over and over every day. I'm just doing the same thing, going from this nap to that nap, fit and working in between. Um, and sometimes when I can look or talk to like my single friends or people with no children, I'm just like, I mean, they're just doing all these gardening projects and housing projects and just doing so much stuff. And it can just, I can kind of feel envious about that. But then I feel guilty, kind of like what your wife was talking about, like, um, just the, the the mom guilt about even like what like wait a minute i'm supposed to be very grateful like god gave me these two great children he gave me a boy first which is exactly what i wanted he made me a girl first which is his second which is exactly what i wanted i wanted to have her in december he gave her to me in december like it's just like all these things that he's given me that were exactly what i want and so i just can have this back and forth struggle of trying to appreciate and embrace this time when i have these two young children who like need a lot versus like teenagers who can just go to their room or stay home by themselves and let me you know go do something on my own so any like 
you know, advice on just embracing this time when they are young and when they really require a lot of you? Yeah, I, um, I think my wife is, she's sitting off camera, but she, she was like shaking her head as you were talking. <laughs> I think it, it, you know, COVID definitely amped it up for sure. Um, it, you know, it made it very, just more challenging. And I, you know, for us, it hasn't been perfect. I feel like we've um, just been very much more impatient and, and just, it's been tough <laughs> over the last six months for us. Um, but I think, I think it, for me, sometimes I just feel like it's okay for me to feel um, not, not to be jealous or envious per se, but it's okay for me to even feel like I just, I need a break for my kids. Um, and I need a moment to myself. And I don't know if it's a guy perspective, but I, you know, so I've told my wife before, I'm like, I don't think I'm, I'm here to kind of just be hundred percent of my kids every single moment of the day and just give them everything and every fiber of me. Like, I just can't do that. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm, I personally am okay with like, okay, I need a break and <laughs> I need to kind of step away. But it's, I think it too, a part of it is when we think about, even if you, um, in Deuteronomy 6, where it talks about um, uh, impressing, you know, the commandments on your children's heart, talk about it um, when you leave the home, when you walk along the road, that idea of, you know, I think about when, with my kids, it's like kind of, I need to think about the quality of the time per se, not a m how much of time I'm spending with them. Don't get me wrong, I do want to spend a lot of time with them, but but it's really about the quality of that time. And so those times that I do have where I'm, okay, I'm, I'm you know, face-to-face, -face, kind of giving that that undivided attention, kind of looking them in the eyes, like that quality time needs to be on point and it needs to be great because there's going to be those moments where I'm not going to feel it. <laughs> and there's going to be those days where I'm like, just leave me alone. You need to go hang out with your mom. But when, but when we have those one-on-one, -on -one, those quality times, it helps to kind of feel, okay, like, okay, I am connected to this child. Um, and so I know my wife wanted to share some, some thoughts too. I think um, just even having grace on yourself, I mean, I think it's just one of the hardest things to extend to ourselves personally. Um, and I think you have to just allow yourself to feel what you feel. Like, you know, you're not always going to, you know, um, want to do every single thing or, you know, and to, you know, we make a lot of decisions as parents. We sacrifice a lot and we make the decision that, you know, I do it because I love my kids. I do it because I love God. Um, but, you know, I, I do want to encourage you, like, get that time for yourself, you know, communicate um, with your husband about, you know, hey, here's what I need. Um, sometimes I remember there would be times in our marriage when I would, like, kind of expect Kevin to kind of, like, know what I need. And, you know, I had to, to just really be able to communicate that and, and just find those little pockets of things that encourage you, whether it's like, listen, every Tuesday and Friday night, like, I want like a spa treatment in the bathroom, like nobody leave me alone, like you protect like the room, don't let anybody in there, whatever it may be, it may just be going to get your favorite ice cream or whatever it is, and just sitting in the park by yourself, but I think just be okay with that time that that you need and you don't have to apologize for it and you don't have to you know um you just just express what you need and then you just go after that and make sure that because otherwise like what what's overflowing out of your heart is not going to be what you really want it to be you know and so you just gotta just make those decisions and and this is what I'm going to do and and trust that you know Hey, even on my bad days, like 
I'll get it together. And tomorrow it's a new, I mean, that's what I love about God, right? Like even just the fact that we have new days, new weeks, new months, new years, like God just knows we as people need these fresh starts all the time because it's just a really good feeling. I think, um, you know, some of that in line with kind of some of the things you're sharing and maybe my, maybe my wife is sharing, you know, obviously we need those times to ourselves, but I think even, um, you know, always, but even more so even with COVID that we realize is like, we need that connection with one another uh, within the marriage where it isn't about the kids or what's going on with them. I mean, they consume so much of our thoughts, our energy, especially when they're little, because we are doing everything and taking care of them. But um, we got to have that time where we connect as a couple. And obviously pre-COVID, it was easier to do date nights and to have babysitters come over and to kind of have that consistency. Then it disrupted with COVID and we're trying to get back to that space now. Um, but I think it's important to have those times if it's, you know, we have a, a handful of people that are, are trusted babysitters um, that are a go-to, you know, there's about five of them that we'll trust with our kids, you know, we trust them fully. And so we make sure, you know, if it's some people every week is a date night, every other week, but whatever it is that there's some consistent time where you can get with, the, with your spouse um, and kind of have adult conversation and reconnect, and, you know, have their vulnerability and be real and honest. Um, you know, for us, um, you know, like I said, in the midst of COVID, it's been more challenging um, because we haven't had, you know, really people in our house or babysitters per se. Um, but one thing that we do have, you know, I think a lot of us in this situation, obviously having young kids, they just go to bed early, right? Obviously, don't, you know, we're tapped out, we're exhausted by the time they're in bed, um, but they do go to bed early. I mean, during the school year, we were, our kids would all be in 7, 7.15, you know? Um, obviously with the summer extended a little bit, but it would give us a couple hours at night where ideally the kids are sleeping, they're in bed, where we can have time, where we can either if we need alone time or if we can connect as a couple, even if it's just watching a movie or talking, um, that, that time is there even for intimacy where it's, you know, we can have, not that we just schedule, hey, we're going to be intimate on Tuesday and Saturday <laughs> kind of thing, but but that we have that consistency where we can be intimate and kind of, um, you know, cause you don't want, you don't want that to fall to the wayside either because then your marriage will become just about roommates and being a roommate with your spouse really isn't a marriage. It's just, you're just, you know, you're doing, roommate. yeah, it's a glorified <laughs> roommate. And so it's gotta be more than that. And so I think we gotta make sure that within our relationship that we do connect with each other and have that time and things will come up, you know, just, like I said, for us, a lot of times at night when the kids go to bed, we have time. And, you know, for instance, the other night, um, you know, I sat in the bathroom with one of our kids for like two hours because we're potty training and and it's a battle and, and, and he refused to poop and he had to poop. And so we sat there for two hours until he did. And so by that point, He's I the mean, patient one. <laughs> you know, it was only like 9, 30, 10, but I was exhausted. And so I'm like, I just got to go to sleep. I'm taking a shower. And I'm going to sleep. I'm, you know, we can't have that time tonight. Um, and so stuff comes up, but I think we got to make sure that we do have that connection with our spouse where we're talking about life, what's going on with life. We're communicating just our, our feelings, our emotions, our needs, but also having that physical intimacy that um, I think is so important for our, for our marriage. Yeah, and I think along those lines, like, you know, just doing stuff to make it special and fun and exciting. Like, just because we're locked in the house doesn't mean we can't have fun. You know, I think um, 
there's still Amazon, buy some lingerie, you know, buy a, a fun dice game. You know what I mean? Like, I think sometimes they can just get so stuck in the box, like literally in our boxed house, you know, but I think um, just doing things to make it really special and, um, you know, we, we should, we need to do this more, this part more, but like even just having like, you know, your date nights, even during COVID, like do something really special, take time planning it, you know, buy a new board game, make a new board game, play strip poker. I mean, you know, whatever, but just doing things that you're going to just have fun, you know, it's like, um, so, you know, just not letting it be, don't get stagnant in that area, you know, because for us, like, for me, I guess I can say personally, like, if our intimacy physically isn't there, and we're not having sex as often as I want to, like, I'm grumpy, I'm going to be nitpicking at things that, like, aren't even really an issue, and, like, you know, like, who wants that, so, um, and so with that, it's, like, even having that honest dialogue with each other, like, hey, I need to be having more sex, or, you know, like, I wish we were doing this, and um, one of our friends, the very first time we had like a real deep conversation, she said, so are you, um, are you a crock pot? Or are you a microwave? And I was like, what are we talking about? <laughs> She's like, in the bedroom, which one are you? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> no one's ever asked me that before. But you know, it's like, if you're a crock pot and it takes you a while to get like heated up then you know, then make sure that your spouse knows that. And so throughout the day, you guys can send each other little messages or, you know, you can leave notes around the house or for them to find at work or whatever. And so, you know, just knowing your spouse and knowing those things, and, you know, just making it fun and exciting. How about finding ways to make it special for the spouse so they don't feel like the kids come first? You okay? Okay? Okay, sorry. Um, I think for this, for making sure your spouse feels, you know, most important, I think one of those things is um, just communicating that with our, our kids too. Like, I mean, one of my kids told me that the other day, they said, daddy's your favorite person, you know? And it's like, yes, he is. Like, he is definitely my favorite person. And y'all are gonna move out the house one day and, you know, it's just gonna be me and daddy. Um, so I think it's really just even saving, I think especially as a woman, uh, for me, it's making sure I save some of my energy for my husband. Um, and, you know, I think about um, just making sure I get the, the rest that I need, but also that I'm not just spending it all on my children. Um, I remember, so our kids are all like very cuddly, like people. And I like used to think like physical touch was like my love language until like everybody was just touching me all the time. And I remember looking at Kevin one day and I was like, don't touch me, please. Like, don't think about touching me. Like, I don't want anybody near me. Like, um, you know, and it's okay to have a day like that or two days like that. But, um, you know, just making sure that you're, you're reserving, you know, storing that up so that you can be really giving and figuring out, okay, like just thinking through that stuff beforehand, like, what do I need to do to make sure that when like my husband or my wife comes through the door that she knows, he knows that they're the most important. And I think it's, um, there's a song called Tuesdays. Um, I just got into like country music, so he makes fun of me, but, um, you know, it's like, there's a song called Tuesdays and the whole song is all about how it's not these big extravagant moments. It's all these little things throughout the day. And, you know, it's, you know, buying them their favorite candy bar when you're at the store. It's just, I think, you know, just kind of making those intentional things every single day. Um, what can I do to encourage my spouse? Yeah. And, uh, I'll, 
you know, share a little bit too. I think this one is one that is, um, I, I have a little more difficulty in. Um, and there's been times where she has told me that she feels like, you know, I favor the kids more than her. Um, and I've had to like kind of evaluate, okay, why is it, why does she, you know, feel that way? Um, because mentally, heart-wise, I don't feel like my kids are more important than my wife. Um, and I've had to kind of figure that out for myself. And, and some of it, I think, is, uh, you know, a little backstory. Of my dad wasn't really present in my life. You know, he passed away when I was when I was younger. And so I feel very at loss at being a dad. And so I'm trying, you know, so there's all that connection to my dad <laughs> that makes me more just inclined to just, you know, be there and meet my kids' needs and, and try to be the best dad I can and, and figure this out. Um, but I've had to realize, okay, like in, in the midst of all that, it makes my wife at times feel like the kids come before her. And so I have to be just conscious of what I do and what I say and, and be more deliberate and make sure that she feels that she's number one. Um, and I think the, the, the core of that, if, we didn't, if she didn't say that to me, I would not have known. So I think communication is key and, and being able to express to your spouse, hey, this is what I feel, this is what I need, this is what you're not doing, this is what you're doing. Um, because again, if she didn't share that with me, I would not have known that it comes across that way or that she felt that way. Because in my mind, that wasn't how I felt or how I perceived it. Um, but by my actions, you know, it was showing that. So I think at the core of it is making sure that we're able to communicate kind of those needs and wants and, and what's going on within our marriage with our spouse and have that safe space where we feel like we can do that. So. Um, I, I think that's really powerful. I'm, I'm Nathan. This is my wife, Elizabeth. We have a little two-year-old. Um, awesome. And um, yeah, I, th I think that, that definitely resonates with me because we both have very stressful, busy jobs and having a two-year-old um, who's not in daycare right now makes things difficult. But um, I think what often happens with us is we um, we become a little bit afraid of, of how stressed the other is. And so, you know, oftentimes, um, instead of looking uh, for those needs or, or, you know, speaking up about like, what do you need? Or, or this is what I need, we're, we're sort of holding it in because we're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, he's so stressed or she's so stressed with all of this, like, you know, let me see if I can do things around the house and, and try to help a little bit, but not really address like, well, I, I have this need or I've been thinking about this or she probably really needs this. Um, and so have, having those conversations has definitely been um, a challenge for us. Um, I think mainly because there has been, at least from my end, um, has been sort of that inherent fear of like, I don't want to put more stress on her, another thing for her to think about. But it's important. I mean, in, in having that, that strong connection with your spouse is what's really going to get you through those tough times. And, and uh, I think we've, uh, we've definitely lost that recently. So or, you know, lost that, that uh, mentality. So I appreciate that. Thank you. And I think going along with that, like, it's not something you have to do forever, but, you know, just every once in a while, whether it's just like, okay, on Sunday nights or whatever is like the least stressful time, you know, like just checking in, like, hey, how are you feeling emotionally? What do you need? Like just asking each other those questions and just getting the dialogue going, um, you know, and it's, it's like with, with Kevin, it's like he's not going to purposely put, he has a lot to say about this. Um, <laughs> he's not going to purposely put the pressure on me, but he knows that the desire of my heart is that I want to be 
the wife that he needs, you know, and so, um, and I know that he wants to be the husband that I need. And so it's like, obviously, we're not meant to like pick at every little thing, right? But it's like, okay, if you could just say one thing, but if you ask the other person, you know, it's just, it's different coming from, hey, like, I really need this, or instead of them asking, like, hey, what do you need? Like, it's just an easier segue into it. Yeah. And it's um, important to use my statements, right? So I'm a, um, my career job, I'm a counselor. I work with um, adolescents and, and addictions, drug and alcohol outpatient site. And a lot of times we talk about I statements, you know, being able to communicate how I feel in that moment and then it disarms the other person so that they can hear us better. Um, and so I share that a lot with the kids I work with. It's like sharing, okay, I feel this way as opposed to saying, you know, when you do this, you know, because it, it changes the, the, the tone of it. So it allows the other person to be able to kind of be disarmed and okay, let me really hear this person out because they're sharing more of what they're feeling and, and what they're thinking. So I think kind of the simple verbiage like that kind of helps us to be able to communicate better with our spouse, um, with what's going on inside or what we're thinking or feeling in those moments, so. So was thinking, Quick question. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you can finish. I'm sorry. Well, I was just saying, it doesn't pertain necessarily to, to the last question, but just, you know, I think in that, sometimes I do also need to kind of bounce some of the things that I'm feeling off some of the sisters because sometimes I also put an expectation on Kevin that God is supposed to fulfill. And I know just for me as a woman, like I have to make sure that I'm not doing that, you know, expecting Kevin to be, God for me. And so I need to make sure first and foremost that I'm really filled up by God. And Kevin is the dessert, you know, he's not the one who's supposed to fill me completely. So you guys, you guys mentioned that you have five different babysitters um, that you go to, that you trust. Um, so what were some of those attributes? What were some of the attributes that you guys were looking for? Uh, when you guys were looking to uh, to get some babysitters uh, and to, to gain that trust um, yeah. for the babysitters too. Yeah, I mean, it's important. So, um, you know, one, first and foremost, obviously it's someone that we know personally that we trust, um, you know, I mean, all these people are within the church here uh, for sure. Um, but people that uh, our kids, you know, enjoy spending time with that they wanted to look forward, you know, they look forward to going and spending that time with this babysitter. I mean, we have one, um, Whitney, and the, the boys just love her as if she's a part of the family. They'll pray for her at night and like, you know, she hasn't babysat them in months. Um, and so I think that is where we can trust them. The kids kind of love them, respect them, but also, you know, someone that's not just going to let your kids do whatever. Um, because I think there's got to be some structure, you know, I, when I was younger and I used to babysit kids, I would just let them kind of just do whatever, not like something <laughs> crazy, but I was like the fun babysitter. So it's like, let's just have fun. But at the end of the day, it didn't really create structure for the parents. You know, they would come home and be like, okay, well, my kid was supposed to do X, Y, and Z. Like, why'd you let them do all this? Um, so I think that also is a piece of it. Okay. You know, they've got to have some structure. Um, you know, we personally want people who are just Christ-minded that we feel that we, now that we got to know their entire life story and, and know, you know, have this quiz if, about their discipleship and their walk with Christ, but someone that we feel that walks with God and just loves God. And so, you know, if they put the boys to bed, that they can do a Bible story with them, that they can pray with them and that we feel, okay, they're trustworthy. 
Um, so, I mean, those are, are some of the things that initially come to my mind. My wife is a little bit more, she's, I'm, I tend to err on the side of like, you know, that person's probably a good person. My wife is a little bit more kind of um, rigid about some of this, so. I am like that person, like, my list is like, I don't just trust everybody with my kids. Um, that's, I mean, it's even led to, like, some tension for us at times, and he's like, well, there's no one else to ask, and like, well, then we won't go anywhere. Like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> um, but I think, I think for me, one of the most important things is that person that is going to be with their kids alone, and where I can go and actually really trust them, um, that's somebody that's been in my home a lot. And it's somebody that I know very well, you know, and, and they've just become an extended part of our family already. And so that way I can already see how they interact. Um, I also do background checks, uh, not for our babysitters, but I do, you know, for our church, you know, we have training and background checks and that's part of my job description. And so I have also training that, you know, has like freaked me out too. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that's part of why I'm so crazy. You know, just making sure that that person, that I feel comfortable and that my kids feel comfortable. And I think kids have a very good um, way of, of knowing when, you know, somebody makes them feel uncomfortable and you can tell and you can have those conversations mm -hmm. with your kids too. I mean, obviously not when they're, they're two years old, but, um, but yeah, I think it's have those people in your home several times first. And also I think a good practice is if you're feeling nervous or uncomfortable, the rule of two is awesome. You know, if you always have two people there, um, you know, that's a really, really good safeguard. It's not always practical or possible, um, but, you know, we have people that I totally trust and totally feel comfortable with, but I'm still having a second person because it just makes me feel more comfortable. So I think that's one way to kind of help, you know, broaden that a little bit is, okay, you know, and it could be two campus students because then it's also more fun for them. Like once the kids go to bed, like, then they have someone to actually hang out with and watch a movie with. You're muted, Vivian. Vivian, you're muted. You're muted, Vivian. There you go. We're going, are we, I'm good, right? Yeah. We're going to respect everybody's time. I know we've gone over, um, and we started late, so everybody could put their kids down and have this time. It's very obvious, we have a lot of questions. This is a great need. We are very thankful to Kevin and Amanda for doing this for us. Um, we're gonna have this every month for the next three months, maybe even extend it. We have some great things coming up. We're gonna talk about um, raising your kids from the time they're very young in the Lord and how to go about doing that. Uh, you know, having quiet times with them, even as they're very young. We're going to talk about exactly how to find uh, people to, to babysit them, how to do that. Very specific, especially because, um, you know, John and I have had to deal with, uh, unfortunately, some um, abuse, you know, even within some of the uh, the churches. So we are very careful and, and we're very careful with how we selected and what we did for um, babysitting for our John Wesley. But also we've got some great ideas on how you guys can help each other to have babysitting and be able to have date nights. Um, we'll probably talk a little bit more about sex um, 
And, um, and, and then we've got some other things that other people had, had brought up on the list of things that you wanted to discuss. We'll have some great speakers. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it tonight. And uh, just one thing that they shared about, which was um, making sure that you're, you're getting a lot of advice, you know. I don't have the pulse on everybody that's married with kids, but I'll tell you this. If you're married and you have kids, you better by golly find somebody that's in your life that will help you. Find that, you know, whoever, somebody in the church, somebody you trust, um, because you're, you're going to need that. And as they grow up, you're going to need more and more. You're going to need that support more and more. So, um, I mean, there's a reason Jesus says by your love for one another, all men will know that you're my disciples. He really expected us to work on that love for one another relationships. They, we, we all need it. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed it and, uh, We'll see you. We'll, we'll announce the next date and the next speakers. And I, uh, I love you all for showing up. This is so great. Thank you so much. Kevin and Amanda, you can go put that little one to bed now. Thank you, Kevin and Amanda. It was fantastic. Appreciate you sharing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good night, everyone. Bye. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Bye.